Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome in, Fight Fans, another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canovio. And where do we possibly begin this week in the crazy world of boxing? The crazy sport that we love, the crazy sport that seems to be letting us down week after week, yet we tune in week after week. It's just never, ever a dull moment in this sport. I'm riding solo today. No guests today because I got a lot to get off my chest. Uh, I plan to start this show off talking about the WBA, and I will get to the WBA because we have to keep our foot on their throats, uh, sort of say. Uh, but news broke that Errol Spence and Manny Pacquiao fight that we all wanted to see, the fight of the summer, is not happening. Errol Spence suffered an injury uh, over there in his training camp, a retina tear. Now, by the time that you get this podcast, you will know all the details and all the facts and everything behind uh, this injury and this fight being off. This is a big injury for, for Errol Spence. This is a big deal. It is not a detached retina. A, a, a retina tear is just below a, de a detached retina. But if you don't treat a retina tear, it can turn into a detached retina. That's a problem for Errol Spence. When did this injury happen? How did this injury happen? Obviously, it happened in sparring. Well, we sort of think that it happened in sparring. Did his car accident play a role in this injury? I talked to a practicing optometrist who told me that it could certainly be that. Also told me that any licensed optometrist or any licensed eye doctor will most likely tell Errol Spence to never fight again. It's the same thing they told Sugar Ray Leonard. Don't fight because you can lose your vision. It's terrible. It's terrible, terrible news for Errol Spence. First and foremost, I hope that he has a speedy recovery. This is a guy that's been through so much in the last 18 months with the car crash, coming back from that, fighting Danny Garcia, and now getting the fight of a lifetime in Manny Pacquiao. For boxing fans, this absolutely stinks. This is the fight we all wanted to see. Uh, we lost uh, Teofimo Camposos. We lost... Fury versus Joshua. We lost Fury uh, versus uh, Wilder. But everyone said, if this fight gets canceled, then I'm going to be really upset. We, at least we have Pacquiao and Spence. Now we don't have Pacquiao and Spence. In slides, your Dennis Ugas is going to replace Errol Spence. Maybe take a quick look at your Dennis Ugas. Certainly deserving of the uh, position. Certainly deserving of the assignment has won 11 of his last 12 fights since back-to-back -back losses in, in 2014. It could be 12 of 12 if you had him winning Sean Porter, which was a really close fight. This is also a WBA super recess fight. More sanctioning fees for the WBA because Manny Pacquiao is their champion in recess and your Dennis Ugas is their super champion. More on the WBA. I'm not going to uh, let that let up on them just because we have news about Errol Spence and... Uh, Manny Pacquiao fight falling through. But if you take a look at it, 
Manny was was preparing for Errol Spence, who's a southpaw who throws 75 punches uh, per round. Dennis Ugas, not a southpaw, still busy, throws 55 punches around. That's still below Manny's 47 punches per round. Ugas has wins over Jamal James, Thomas DeLorme, Omar Figueroa. Neither of those guys are Manny Pacquiao, even at age 42. Pacquiao is now the favorite in this fight. But it's going to be close. It's going to be interesting. At least we get to see Manny Pacquiao. I want to see some silver linings here. I'm, I'm usually a positive guy, uh, even though this week I've been getting down into the dirt of boxing, corruption, and the WBA, and now fights being off and, and trying to stay positive on all this. We still get to see Manny Pacquiao fight in August at 42. I still want to see Pacquiao in there. It's still a special night. Ugas certainly deserving as a champion, if you want to say that, uh, by the WBA standards at least, one of the four champions at 147. WBA, what a mess. But this is now the fight that we have. We have to move forward. The show must go on. They could have canceled this fight. That leads me to believe that Errol Spence is not going to be back anytime soon because usually they would say, all right, we'll wait till December at the latest. No, they just have Ugas slide in there. And it's crazy. Let's just say worst case scenario, Errol Spence never returns. We don't get to see him fight Manny Pacquiao. We don't get to see him fight Terrence Crawford. It would be a very, very... Terrible, terrible thing. I hope that's not the case. I hope he does come back and fights the winner of this. Could this be Manny Pacquiao's final fight? I mean, it could be very well be. He's 42 years old. He could lose to Ugas. But the fact that Pacquiao pushed through for this fight and wants this fight because he, he wants that money. He's running for president in 2022 of the Philippines. That's another thing to keep, uh, you know, keep attention of is that Pacquiao is, has political responsibilities. That's why he was, this is why he came back to fight Errol Spence. Yes, he wants to, he'll say that he wants to you know, take on all comers and he's, he's a, you know, he, I want to fight the best for my legacy. He wants to, to make the most possible money that he can. He wanted to fight Conor McGregor. He would have made a hundred million to fight McGregor if McGregor hadn't lost to Poirier twice. So he took on Errol Spence because it's the highest amount of money he could possibly make. He's not going to make the same amount of money for Ugas, but it's still $10 million in his bank account that he can put towards his push to become the president of the Philippines. Could this be the last time we see Manny Pacquiao? That's what this now promotion will turn into. Uh, here he is, Manny Pacquiao. You know, buy the pay-per-view. Come to the fight. You know, don't refund your tickets. Come see Manny Pacquiao fight. Could he potentially fight after this? Anyone. I mean, you take a look at his his contract with the PBC. Uh, from what I've read, he has uh, an option on his next fight before that three fight deal or yeah, three fight deal is over because it's Broner, it's Thurman, and then there was going to be Spence, which is crazy that he fought all three of those guys. But it's a it's a lot of questions. It was hard news to digest. I'm still digesting it now. By the time this podcast hits uh, your phones or or hits YouTube or wherever or hits Pluto TV or or Fubo Sports where this show airs, I'm sure there will be even more details. Uh, on this but Spence has put out a tweet to say that he's going to come back it's crazy the, the world of boxing for the in the last week between the WBA mess now losing this fight it's crazy this is the sad portion of the podcast I swear there's going to be an angry uh, portion next when I talk about the WBA and then excitement when I preview this weekend's fights because there are some awesome fights this upcoming weekend but there has it's been a good year for boxing in terms of competitive fights you know ryan garcia fighting luke campbell to start off the year uh we had oscar valdez in his unification bout with burchell 
you know, we had uh, Josh Taylor fighting Jose Ramirez, unification bout at 140 pounds. Canelo fighting Saunders. It has been a good year of fights, but we were missing that mega fight. We're missing that super fight. And I just talked about it last week about how Pacquiao Spence was going to do massive numbers because it's the first mega fight of 2021 with Fury and Wilder being out. Canelo not fighting in a, a you know, Saunders was a big event, but it wasn't a mega fight. It sucks. It really does suck. I, I hope that Spence comes back. I hope that he comes back and is able to fight Pacquiao. I hope that maybe uh, this means that Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter, if they fight for that WBO strap, that maybe Spence gets the winner of that fight. If Spence can't come back and fight Pacquiao, who knows what's going to go on with Pacquiao? Like I just highlighted, is he going to retire? Uh, could he potentially lose to Ugas? Listen, if you are a fan of the actual fights in boxing, what goes on in the squared circle, then this has been a rough couple of weeks for you. If you're a fan of the outside of the ring soap opera, the business side of boxing, the what ifs, the fantasy matchups, the what's next, your business is booming for you. If you're a fan of both those things, then you're probably fine with all of this. I'm somewhere in the middle. I love what goes on in the ring. I love the stuff outside of the ring, the theatrics, the, the, the ridiculousness of boxing, but not getting this fight on August 21st hurts. But the show must go on, and the show must go on here on Inside Boxing Live. Coming up next, I'm going to break down what happened with the WBA. I put together a video that circulated on Twitter. Uh, we get to some of the fallout with that, and we're also going to preview uh, this weekend's fights as well. Okay, now let's get into what happened with the WBA on this past Saturday. Listen, let me start this off by saying I'm not an investigative journalist. If you guys follow the show, if you follow me on, on social media, I break down fights, I provide you stats, and I highlight the ridiculousness of the sport. I try to make you laugh, try to bring humor uh, to what is a very funny and outlandish sport. But what we saw on Saturday in that fight on Fox Sports between Gabriel Mastre and Michael Fox, the corruption, it was too overwhelming not to highlight. And people will tell me, oh, you have a voice in this sport. You have to speak on it. You have to, you know, talk about the negative things in boxing. If I talked about the negative things in boxing and what I think is ailing the sport, I would spend, that would be the whole show week after week. If you want to talk about what's the negative side of, of boxing all the time, this isn't the show for you. I'm sure there are people out there that will spend all day, you know, ragging on why the sport sucks or, or what's ailing it or why it's failing uh, to the UFC. But if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching it, you know what happened on this past Saturday when Gabriel Mastre uh, was gifted a decision against Michael Fox. Turned out that the WBA judges were all in unison in their corruptness. Is that even a word? Whatever. In their corruption. Uh, Gloria Martinez, uh, who had at 117-110, married to Ricardo Rizzo, who is a WBA executive or WBA uh, you know, associate that, that has a very checkered past and also has a very, uh, he's involved with the WBA when it comes to hiring judges, making fights. Uh, who, I've heard things about him uh, that are very, very bad. I've also heard things about Gilberto Mendoza, the head of the WBA, who cannot confirm this, but from according to multiple people in boxing, is a silent partner of Gabriel Mastres, a 3-0 former two-time Olympian, who should not have been even been fighting uh, for a WBA belt, let alone winning that fight when he got dropped by Mike, uh, Michael Fox, when he got outworked, when he got outlanded. It turns out that the Gloria Martinez, that, that, that uh, judge, 
also a terrible racist too. Racist tweets about Michelle Obama that I won't even repeat. If you want to, I put a video out on Twitter that made the rounds uh, about this whole situation. Uh, having a WBA guy or photographer in the corner of Mastre, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro congratulating uh, Mastre on the win. As we know, WBA founded in Venezuela, have strong ties to Venezuela. The whole thing stinks. It's so blatant. It's such the corruption was so blatant. It's very easy to put together, too. Didn't take me long to make that video. And I appreciate all the, the kind words. I appreciate uh, everyone telling me great job, but I didn't have fun making that video. I don't like highlighting these things because it's embarrassing for the sport of boxing that I love, that I'm invested in, that is my livelihood. But if something doesn't change, there ain't going to be a sport anymore. If something doesn't change, the networks are going to back out. There's not going to be any money for these corrupt sanctioning bodies to divvy up. They are ruining the sport, the WBA. They are ruining it, but they're four champions per division. And then you had Gilberto Mendoza go on the record with Kevin Ioli, who I've had my differences with in the past over, over, over his thoughts on boxing today. And he got Gilberto Mendoza to say on the record that we created belts during the pandemic to get money to sustain our business. They admitted it right there. That it's, it's, we knew it already. Why do they have four champions for every division? Because they need the sanctioning fees to keep their business going. But that was just such blatant corruption that it, I couldn't ignore it. Hopefully something is done. Do I think anything's going to be done? No. Because there's no overarching government in boxing. There's no one uh, regulating. The, 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 the WBA hasn't even condemned the racist tweets. The promoter hasn't condemned the racist tweets. The WBA has ordered an immediate rematch. If I'm Michael Fox, why am I taking this immediate, immediate rematch? But the sad thing is, he probably will. Because he's not in a position to fight anywhere else. He needs, probably needs the money. Let's be honest. Michael Fox is a guy... He'll probably make a decent living now, but he's not going to get rich off of boxing. That's why this was such a disgusting injustice because Michael Fox won that fight. He deserved to be at his hand raised. He deserves to have a, that, that ridiculous belt because that ridiculous belt gets him higher purses, which in turn makes their promoter more money, which in turn makes a WBO money. Now you see where it all goes. It's a vicious circle of everyone getting fat, but it has to end. They have to have to clean up the sport. Immediate rematch. Give me a break. How about we get rid of the WBA? They are the most egregious of all the sanctioning bodies. W I, I am fully aware that the WBC, the IVF, the WBO, they all do their, their undesirable things. They all do their they're all corrupt in their own little ways. But none are as, as corrupt as the WBA. Who might I add, they suck at corruption. I mean, it was so plain obvious. Not to mention the gloves, skinning the gloves. How can I forget that? So much stuff went, and it was on regular Fox. So many people. Ariel Hawani, great MMA reporter, retweeted the video that I put out on Twitter. So all his MMA fans or MMA followers replied to it. And we're, look, go look at the replies. This is why boxing is failing. This is why boxing is behind the UFC, LOL boxing. That's what it is. It's become a punchline. I don't want it to be a punchline anymore. I want the sport to be around in 10, 20 years. Shout out to Corey Urban for uncovering the tweets. Uh, shout out to Mark Ortega, who has been very vocal about the WBA. 
Shout out to Marcos Viegas, who told me that there was a WBA guy in the corner of Mastre, photographer. These are all young guys, relatively around the same age as me, that want to see the sport move forward. They want to see a sport in 10, 20 years. Is that so much to ask for? Listen, I'm not a negative guy. I try to see the positive in the sport, but this was such overwhelming corruption. It, it was right there throwing our face. They make us, they make us feel like we're idiots. We're not dumb. Boxing fans are not stupid. Give all we're asking for is, is fair judging, no corruption. Is that too much to ask for? WBA's got to do better. Promoters got to do better. Networks got to do better. This falls on everybody. That's my rant. That's my angry part of the, the podcast. Coming up next, I'm going to break down this week's fights. Four cards all over the place. A boxing bonanza, some really intriguing matchups. Uh, we'll break that down next on Inside Boxing Live. Okay, now it's time for the excitement portion of the show where I get to preview this weekend's fights, and there are some excellent fights. Four cards in total. I'm going to start with Virgil Ortiz and Igis Cavalaskis, uh, the fight that I'm most looking forward to because I'm a big fan of Virgil Ortiz. 17-0 with 17 knockouts. He's the heir apparent to the welterweight throne, him and Jerron Boots Ennis, and Golden Boy has been moving him along perfectly. They're throwing him opponents to try to uh, give him different looks, these opponents that Golden Boy has been throwing at Virgil Ortiz, and he is passing these tests with flying colors. Take a look at his last seven fights. Juan Carlos Salgado, he was Virgil Ortiz's first former champion. He got KO'd in three. Roberto Ortiz was billed as a dangerous puncher against Virgil Ortiz. He was starched in two rounds. Next up, Mauricio Herrera, who arguably beat Danny uh, Garcia, whose claim to fame has never been knocked out in his career. He was rendered senseless in three rounds in what is Ortiz's best knockout to date. Antonio Orozco was a few fights removed from a spirited effort with Jose Ramirez, former 140-pound champion. He was 28-1. and one. He was KO'd in six by Ortiz. Brad Solomon was a slickster, could give any fighter uh, a tough night at the office. Ortiz disposed of him in five rounds. Samuel Vargas knocked out in seven rounds. And most recently, former WBO super lightweight champion Maurice Hooker pushed Ortiz as far as he could go, but was ultimately stopped in that seventh frame. That right there is how you move a prospect. So what does Igis Cavalaskis bring to the table? Now, he has the distinction of scoring an unofficial knockdown over Terrence Crawford in their fight in 2019. He also landed the most punches ever on a Terrence Crawford, uh, as a Terrence Crawford opponent. 118 punches landed on Crawford. He gave Crawford fits. Crawford ultimately won that fight, but Cavalosics made a name for himself that night. And he is a stern test for any welterweight out there. The one thing I do not like about Mean Machine is his defense. Opponents have landed over his last two opponents have landed over 45% of their power shots. Terrence Crawford landed 48% of his power shots. If Virgil Ortiz lands over 40% of his power shots, it's going to be a quick night for him. Mimi Sheen has a wonderful jab, but I think he relies on it a little too much. He's going to need that jab, but it's also going to have to pick his moments to stand and bang. With Virgil Ortiz, I like Ortiz in this one. I would love to see him fight the winner of this Terrence Crawford, uh, Sean Porter, WBO clash. I expect that fight to get made. Who knows what's going to happen now with Sean, uh, with Errol Spence? Who knows what's going to happen with Manny Pacquiao? The welterweight division is in flux right now. Manny Pacquiao is kind of holding it up just the same way Canelo is holding it up at 168 to 175. 
But one thing we, we, that, that is very clear is that Virgil Ortiz, along with Jerome Boots Ennis, they are the two guys now at welterweight. The welterweight division is getting a little bit older, and these two guys are working their way up to the top. Second fight that I'd like to talk about, Josh Franco and Andrew Maloney uh, over on ESPN. This is their third fight. This is their third fight in the last 14 months. This is Josh Franco's second trilogy in the last three years. Oscar Negrete, they fought three times, Negrete and Franco. That, that trilogy produced 5,700 punches thrown. So there's a lot of wear and tear on Franco. Now, their first fight, Franco and Maloney, didn't have a lot of controversy. It was a close fight through eight rounds. Franco stepped on the gas pedal, outlanded him better than two to one from rounds nine to 12, won that fight. Second fight had a ton of controversy because the WBA was involved. Uh, Las Vegas Commission was involved. First round of the fight, Maloney comes out jabbing. Bad out of hell. Throws 100 punches, lands 25, closes up the eye of Josh Franco from what everyone saw as a punch. Everyone but referee Russell Mora, everyone but a Robert Bird, who was manning the replay booth, and Bob Bennett. 25-minute delay. They sat there and looked for a headbutt that didn't exist. Ultimately, it was rendered a no contest. WBA ordered an immediate rematch. I thought Maloney should have got the win. They didn't tell him that it was a from a headbutt. They told Franco's corner. Referee uh, Russell Moore told Franco's corner. He told the commission in between rounds. They didn't tell Frank. They didn't tell Maloney's corner. He would have had a different game plan in, in the fight then. He wouldn't have targeted that eye. He would have let the fight go four rounds and got the decision. That was a big no-no. That was a big embarrassment. Another embarrassment for boxing on ESPN, a big weekend. Hopefully, we have a clear, decisive winner. In trilogies, i like to, to see who had the better of the second fight heading into the third, who's fresher. I think that's Andrew Maloney. I expect him to pick up a win. Also on that card, Muhammad Ali's grandson is fighting. I, I covered the kid at Bleach Report when he played football at Bishop Gorman with uh, Dana White's son. He's a great kid, and let's see what he's got. Uh, tough shoes to fill, kid. Over on Showtime, John uh, Real Casemiro and Guillermo Rigandau. Love this fight. This is uh, over at 118 pounds. Uh, all three of these guys, him, uh, Rigandau, Guillermo, uh, Rigandau, Casemiro, and Donaire, all lose to Inouye. Let's be honest here, but I love what they're doing with this with this uh, kind of quasi-tournament. Hopefully, uh, the winner of this one, hopefully the, we can see Inouye uh, in there. But Casemiro's fighting a six-fight, riding a six-fight KO streak. He's Rigandau's 18 months out of the ring. Casemiro, nine years younger, momentum on his side, but Rigo has the experience edge. I love this fight. I think it's going to be super intriguing. Both are elite defenders. Both guys are holding their opponents under 20% of their landed punches. If Rigandau wins, he shatters the record that Donaire set as the oldest bandomweight champion. He'll be 40 years old. If, if Rigandau wins, it would set up a rematch with Donaire. I mean, neither, neither of these guys beat Inouye, but I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that fight on Showtime. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of the fights this weekend. It's been a rough week between the WBA nonsense and now Spence and Pacquiao being off. I want to sit down on Saturday and watch 10-plus hours of boxing. Uh, hopefully, we get better news on the, uh, uh, with these fights actually getting made. Let's enjoy the fights. Let's keep the pressure on the WBA. Let's get clean judging. Let's get the corruption out of the sport. Let's get big-time fights. There's a lot of young talent in boxing. I'm going to continue to highlight the positive. This week was a lot of the negative stuff in boxing. It's important. Don't get me wrong, but it's time to, to move on now, and it's time to, to have some, a positive vibe around the sport of boxing. I appreciate you guys tuning in every single week on Inside Boxing Live. We're back next week, uh, another jam-packed episode. See you then. One last thing I wanted to get in, 
If you are upset about the Mastray Fox decision, like I know you are, there is a way to have your voice be heard. The Office of Combative Sports in Minnesota. You can email Eileen McNiff at state.mn.us. Let your voice be heard. Okay, goodbye.